Let's begin and analyze the Gemara. Now that we've gone through and we've, we've delineated the structure of the Gemara, which is of course the first stage of the three-step process of structure path. We're going to go through now the powerful questioning stage where we, 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 we le- use a lot more attention to the detail of Gemara and we apply our methodology of analysis to each and every stage. You, we're going to go briefly from, from the Mishnah you know, we could actually go into the mission now and apply what we've called the 353 Mishnah analysis technique uh, to to expose perhaps certain components of the Mishnah. And certainly now after we've prepared our minds with the possible issues at stake, it may even be more exciting to do so. So let's start off with a brief and maybe an abbreviated 353 of the Mishnah. And then we'll go on to the analysis of the Gemara. The mission begins. That's part one of the Mishnah, and that's the Tzir. As we have characteristically said, when it comes to the structural components upon which the Mishnah consists of, generally, generally, and even of course there are many exceptions to this, to this rule, generally the Mishnahs are made up of Tzir Din, Tzir Din, scenario ruling, scenario ruling, scenario ruling. There are exceptions to the case. For example, many years ago we saw a Mishnah in Kiddushin, which wasn't quite that. Um, so even though there, there's a, there is a common, common a characteristic of many Mishnahs, but of course there are always going to be exceptions. Sometimes they have shaklan tires in the middle of Mishnahs between the different Tznoim arguing with one another. In general, it's a presentation of a scenario and a ruling. This is exactly the case over here. We have a scenario. The scenario is, He was riding upon an animal. And he, meaning the rider, saw the lost object. And he said to his fellow, Give it to me. Not law. His friend picked it up. And his friend said, It belongs to me. End of scenario. Now we're going to rule. Zohar That's the ruling. The friend has every right to take it. In other words, of course, if we actually extrapolate from this case, this case took place in Bastin. You've got Ruvain the Roichev and Chaim the Chaver that are obviously arguing as to who this object belongs to. Now, for all we know, it may be a valuable diamond to make it more exciting. So they have this diamond and they're in Bastin and Chaim the Chaver says, it's mine. And Ruvain the Roichev says, what do you mean it's mine? And they're having this machloik is in Bastin. The Dayanim Apaskening Zohar goes to Chaim the Chaver and that brings to a close part one of the Mishnah, which we can subdivide into parts A and B, namely scenario ruling. Tzir Din. Not love Amanizi Chisiba. Sorry, I beg your pardon. So now we have a second case. Obviously, the second case borrows from the first scenario, but only begins to state from the differentiation point. What I mean is as follows. The first case was also talking about a case where there was Reuven the Reuven riding upon an animal and he saw a Metziah and he said to Chaim the Chavar, go and pick it up. All that part is assumed to be part of case 2 as well. What differs between case 2 and 1 is when the mission starts to explain the differences in case 2, instead of Chaim the Chavar keeping the Metziah he actually gives it to Reuven the Rechev. Once he's given it to the Reuven the Rechev, he says, in fact, it belongs to me first. And now we have the ruling, Loy Omarklum. It's as if Ischaim Chover said nothing, meaning that in this case, the diamond would go to Reuven the Rechev. So really we have two cases. One case, 
Chaim is Zoycher, the other case Reuven is Zoycher, and it seemingly depends upon who's in possession of the object right now. Was it given over to Reuven the Rechev or not? But we'll soon see that. No. Uh, three, five, three mission analysis technique. One three is corresponding to, of course, structure, powerful questioning, and paradigm shift, which is the struct pop trilogy. The first thing we do is we number, label, and order which is exactly what we've done so far, is numbering and labeling. How many parts are there? There are two parts of the Mishnah. How do we label them? Each part has an A and a B. Let's see the din, let's see the din. Two parts, see din, see din. That's structure. Now what is the order? Why does it state the second case second and the first case first? Why does it state the case where Chaim the Chaver keeps the lost object? and says he was Zoycha in it, and doesn't give it to Ruvain. Before the case, when he gives it to Ruvain, and then he claims it to be his. So, again, there's always room for thought when it comes to order, but simply speaking, it's just a sequential. That first he picks it up, and then he gives it over to Ruvain the Rechev. So, the case which is cited first, is speaking about an earlier time in history. And therefore, let's say for that reason alone, it's appropriate to put that case first, not second. So we've lum numbered, labeled, and ordered. We've fulfilled the first three parts of the 353. Three. Now let's talk about the five. The five is powerful questions represented by the acronym LUAS, which go for language understanding, inference, or illustration. Depends which one you want to put first. Infer- inference, illustration, illustration, inference, and finally source. Language, be extremely precise in each and every word, why is it used, why this word, why not other words, are the extra words, are there words which are not necessary, is there a repeat of words, some other context. Understanding is understanding the principle behind, the logical premises. What is the underpinning mechanic of the din? Why does it make sense? What's its legal theory, as it were? That's understanding. Inference is, can you infer from what's stated to what's not stated? Illustration is, creating in your mind's eye a vivid picture of exactly what occurred, including the kind of day it was, what weather was it, what were the protagonists wearing? Because when you make the picture vivid, it allows you to translate the scene into reality, and when it becomes real, there'll be a whole variety of things which will become relevant in deciding, is the din in this situation, accurate or not. And finally, the last is source. Where does this come from? Is it a Doraisa? Is it a Dorabonin? If it's a Doraisa, where is it in the Psukim? Which Pasuk is it? If it's a Dorabonin, is it a Takona or a Gezeira, an enactment or a decree? If it's a Takona, why was it Matukan? If it's a Gezeira, why was it Nigzar? And that brings to an end the five of the 353 mission analysis technique, which we refer to as Matt 353. So let's begin in the beginning with language. Yes, Michael. Hayarechev al Gabe Behema. He was riding upon an animal. So it's firstly, it's quite interesting just in terms of linguistics to note why the mission begins with the word the past participle. Hayarechev as opposed to Rochev al Gabe Behema. What's the mile of Hayoreichev, which is a past participle? It doesn't say Hayoreichev, Vahayoreye, Vahayoimer. Do you understand? The past participle is he was riding, and then it says, and he said, and he saw. It doesn't say he was riding, and he was saying, and he was seeing. And he was. 
Hayoreichav is a past participle, which means he was. Why does he have to say that? Why doesn't he just say, Rachav al gabe behema vera So the first thing when we start the linguistic language analysis of the Mishnah is why do we say the past participle? Good. Uh, I think that's what it's called in English. I could be wrong, but you get the point. Hayoreichav al gabe behema. He was riding upon an animal. Okay. I could have said Rachav al Gabe Behemoth, correct? He was riding on a behemoth. As opposed to he rode on a behemoth. He was riding as opposed to he rode. Haya is he was riding. Haya Rechav means he was riding. And he rode a behemoth. Okay. Right? As opposed to the other ones, which was Vera. It doesn't say Haya Roye. He was seeing. It says he saw. Okay, so why does it say he was riding as opposed to he rode? Anyway. We'll see. Maybe there's a simple answer to the question. He was riding upon the animal. And he saw the lost object. So it's interesting. The mission includes three actions. He was riding. He saw. And he said. I mean, are all those, again, in language, are all those, are all those, are all those parts necessary? What happens if he, he just saw and said? Yeah, What's Pshat in Hayoreichev? He had to also be riding. That's a crucial part for the, for the legal makeup of the case. So this is called language. We'd say, let's, let's do the expurgated version, the shortened form, the edited version of Mishnah. And we'll begin with, In other words, if you look, if you just glance your eyes, it's quite interesting, to Dav Yud Amad Aleph, Look how the mission begins. Do you understand? That's a precedent. The mission starts with Roy Samatia. So yeah, why doesn't it just say Roy Samatia Vama? Why is the Dafka Hayorech with Gabahema? What 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 nuance of halachic understanding does it lend to the case? How deeply significant? How good it is to be exacting in our examination of the Dash of the Mishnah. Yes, we are it's a advantage to be writing. Oh. So and he saw the lost object. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. And he said to his friend, give it to me. So of course we have a little bit of a, a forewarning. Oh. But the word give it to me. So the word give it to me obviously has a specific connotation. Give it to me means pass it to me. It doesn't have the connotation of Kenyan. Zecheli means merit it on my behalf. Tneali means pick it up and deliver it to my hands. It doesn't mean be koine it on my behalf. It doesn't say knehali, zecheli. It says tnehali, which is significant in terms of the linguistic rendering of the Mishnah. tnehali, not law doesn't say Zohaba, which is also interesting. Not law. He picked it up. Omar Ani, now he says it. Ani Zohisiba. I am owning, I own this, I own this. Now it's also quite interesting in terms of the, when we get the illustration, he picked it up. What was the intention when he picked it up? Is Ani Zohisiba a departure from his original picking up? Or is it a continuation of his original picking up? These are going to be points of discussion that we're going to have to flesh out when we get to illustration. But right now, we're just at language. If Mishenosna, Nosna is 
how many words is that contracted into Avi? How many prefixes and suffixes are there in Mishinasna? Two prefixes. Those are two prefixes. Misha. From that, and one suffix of Nasna, which is called Mapike, he gave it. Nasan Oiso, he gave it. Nasan Oiso, we're referring to Mitzia as a feminine. So, in Misha Nasna Loi, if from that he gave it to him. If from that, when he gave it, I mean, when it's already transferred into the hands of the Reichev, Omar, he then said, Ani Zochisiba. And then he adds on the word Tehila. Not Stam Ani Zochisiba, but Ani Zochisiba Tehila. Valoch is Lo Omar Klum. Lo Omar Klum. And it's quite interesting the Loshna Valocha. It doesn't say, again in language, Lo Zochaba. It says Lo Omar Klum. His Amira was Nishken Amira. Very interesting to ponder. So that's language. Now, do we have any resolutions to what the indications of the Dukim Maloshna brought us? None. Is it a problem? Of course not. As we know that the study of Talmud is an evolving process, it changes the whole time. It's dynamic. And therefore, it's good to open up the possible possibilities and to raise the difficulties without resolving them because the process of resolution is a long-term dynamic process which requires study and investigation and beware the mavericks that want to shoot off answers from their hips shooting from the hips is great when you're in the western but it don't go for Talmudic study yes, Michael Saposnik I just, I, I didn't agree with your um, you're your free to argue it's part of the Talmudic ethos that you're saying that it, you, you said it's interesting that they use that lotion. It's very interesting, lotion. yeah. And I, I think that if we're, we're reading it as the the chiddush of the Mishnah come to teach us, then I, I don't see how you could come to the. Okay, and, the, and there's a small problem. What you've said, small problem. What you've said, I have no idea what it is. What are you doing? Are you asking a kasha? Um, yeah. I, uh, what I, is I your kasha? You may, your inference, I think, is. My inference, I said there's many words to describe actions. If I want you to merit something on my behalf, I want you to own it on my behalf, I want you to acquire it for me. I say, will you acquire that for me? If I say, will you pass that to me? Give that to me. There's no Kiddush. One second, one second, one second, one second. One second. Before we get on to what the Kiddush is, which I have no idea what you mean by those words. Before we get there, do you acknowledge the differentiation between the word Tzneli as opposed to the word Zecheli? Yes. Do you acknowledge the fact that Tzneli doesn't have the same connotations towards Kenya as Zecheli does? Yes. Okay, that's all I've said. That's all I've said. I've only made that point. Now, perhaps what your mind has done, as good as, as it is, it's run on with some previous understanding of the Mishnah, trying to fit it in, asking questions, which is all very good, and I validate you for it. However, that's not good. Would you like to ask something which is relevant at this point in time, in terms of language? Do you, do you agree that that's an interesting diuk in the Lashon? If, if, if that's the diuk to be made in the Lashon... Yes. I'm not saying that is the diuk to be made. Okay, I'm saying okay. that is a diuk. Do you agree that that's a diuk? Do I are you in agreement with that that, that is a diuk? Or do you all that's not a diuk at all? And that you could use interchangeably? That's the question over here. You say you can use it interchangeably? There's no relevance using one above the other? Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Perhaps? Yes. 
perhaps in a foolhardy fashion? No, not foolhardy. Really. Yes, foolhardy. I'll tell you, it's, it's when it, we can, I can use that when I say, give it to me, that, that will tell you that it's a sign of ownership. Why? Why did give it to me in imply ownership? Where do you see in the words give it to me ownership? Um, if because of the the way the the way the Mishnah teaches you that the guy actually gets it. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let me go back. I'll say even better. Say better. The safe of the Mishnah teaches us that the guy when it says low mark kluma means the first guy actually gets it, right? Absolutely. Did he say Tznehali? No, he didn't. No. So why does he get it? Yeah. Because Chaim the has taken the object and he's placed it in the hands of Reuven the Rechev and Reuven the Rechev has made a kinyan of the object in his own hands. That's why he gets it. Why? Why? Okay, I have a question. Why would the Why would the guy who's writing on the behemoth want to leave it open to? Because as a small child, he's attacked by a bat. I have no idea. I have no idea, but he did. You're asking as follows. You're saying, why didn't he guarantee the ownership of his object by explicitly asking the person to acquire it on his behalf? And therefore, you're suggesting that that must have been his intention when he said the words Tineli. So, which could all be right. But don't you agree with me, perhaps, that if he wanted to be more explicit, he could have been? I'm not saying to you that what you're saying is absolutely out of the water and totally wrong. What I'm saying to you, given the choice of two words, surely this word would be a better one than that one? Given the ability to choose words, one would be less ambiguous, one would be more direct to the point. Do you at least agree with that, Osa Poznik? Yeah, but it just it makes. Okay, I mean the truth is that, that they're teaching not as very good. I mean, of course, you've got temporary Talmudic amnesia. You realize that's what Reb Chia said at the end, right? Yes. Okay, and so I have you a problem with that. you have a problem with that, Beseda. You can have a problem with that. I validate your problems, but you see that it's a valid dear, do you not? Yes, good, good. Not all of your problems. Some of your problems are invalidated, but certain <laughs> ones are valid. Good. Continuing on, so really what we've done until now, Kiva, is we've done number label in order, exceptionally well, I believe, and now we're on to language, and we made lots of different diukim in the Lashon of the Mishnah, and that's fine to make the diukim and not to come to radical conclusions, start to process things too much too soon, rather do it in a graded fashion. It reminds me of a story that I recently heard, and the story captivated me for, I'll, t- I'll tell you the story, and then you'll say how it captivated you, and I'll tell you how it captivated me. A person was in his early career, um, I don't know if he was a miner or working in, in, in some kind of in industry where there, was, where there were toxic fumes. And obviously at the time they weren't aware of the damage it was causing to his body. As a result, it completely comp- corrupted his heart and lungs. And he became <coughs> extremely vulnerable to any kind of activity that would uh, raise the, his pulse. Would, he made him vulnerable to heart attacks. What he did was he went through a process of training to become acutely aware of his bodily functions. So he sat and he, he, he meditated for hours until he literally was able to be conscious of his heartbeat and his different pace, his different pulse. And what he did was he continued life functioning as opposed to anyone else in his condition that would be bedridden. 
But he had to live his life in a very structured fashion because he had to be constantly aware of where his pulse was. So he used to go shopping. He'd open the door, have a sense of what his heartbeat was doing because opening the door requires effort. Walk slowly and gradually to his car, open up the car door and sit down. Often he'd realize at that point in time his pulse would be raised. So he'd sit in the car until his pulse rate was lowered. And you start the ignition and gently, gently drive to the shopping center. Be conscious all the time, was his heart rate raised or low? Because he could always pull off on the side and calm down. And then you go to the shops, and in those days, they had these great big brown paper bags to put all the goods for the shopping. And they had specific small plastic bags for him, because he used to make numerous trips from the store to his car. Sit down, wait, from the store to his car, sit down and wait. And as a result, he functioned. He didn't function like a normal human being, but he didn't lie in his bed all day. Why? Because of his acute awareness of what was going on his body at any point in time. Now, for me, the story is amazing for one thing. Why is it amazing to you, Akira? Or maybe it's not amazing at all. <laughs> maybe it just wasn't a story. <laughs> no, other repels. So you see from that story his tenacity and his perseverance. Beautiful. That's what you got out of the story. What did you get out of the story, Spaz? Structure allowed him to function. Where if he didn't have structure, he would just be paranoid all day. But he figured out through intense uh, paying uh, intense paying attention that having doing this specific way of living, you'll be able to live. Beautiful. What did you get out of the story, Avi? You can pass. Uh, yeah, I, okay, it seems like a normal story. Normal story. Oh, I, I did get something. Good. You do whatever you have to do. Do whatever you have to do. <laughs> okay, so in other words, what I got out of the story was the incredible peace of mind the man must have had. If, if when, when, when you tell me the story, I get agitated they had to sit in the car and not move on. Because I want to move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. I don't want to be stuck doing this now. I'm wasting time. Are you living? What I'm saying is when I hear the story, I'm just, I'm just explaining again. I'm just ex gentlemen, gentlemen, what I'm doing is I'm explaining my reaction, which I think is relevant for our study of Talmud. My reaction to the story was it would be so hard to be patient to do things in such a gradual fashion. Because when I'd be occupied by doing thing one, I'd already be thinking, well, how can I achieve thing two? And the lesson that, one of the lessons I gleaned, even though I liked Akiva's lesson of perseverance and tenacity, and your lesson that it showed a strategy, the lesson that I gained was being able to focus on what we're focusing on right now and not focus on what we're not focusing on. And even though it's sometimes really important for the study of Gemara to be thinking about all things at all times, but it's also sometimes important to be able to grade, to move through the sugya in a structured process. As, as is, as where you're at right now. Right now we're in language. We aren't anywhere else. So let's be in language. Okay. So what's lo amar Right, what's lo amar Why does not say lo If you look at the, if you look at the, the reisha, it says, imamar anizochisi ba, zochabah. It doesn't say, dvor of kayomim. His words are true. How did we switch from describing the mechanism of Kenyan to his words? 
What's the shift over there? All interesting diyukim in the Lashon. Now that we've done language, next up on Lewis is understanding. But then again, we said, even the understanding comes next in the Lewis acronym, but sometimes it's more prudent to launch into illustration and inference and then go back afterwards to understanding. So let's go into illustration. And now we'll see that we'll open up a veritable can of worms. What happened? So Reuven was riding on this behemoth. Let's picture the scene. It was a black stallion. Huge beast. Huge beast. Over eight foot he was off the ground. Gigantic, powerful horse. And he was trotting. Now, for him to dismount from this horse would be a Gansa Asek. <laughs> so next to him he sees, and because of his high raised vantage point, he spots... Listen to the specificities. He spots 10 meters ahead of him. He's got excellent eyesight. He spots a diamond ring with no simon. He thinks, gosh, it's my lucky day. He spots it and he's trustworthy, or at the time he thought trustworthy, friend Chaim is located five meters away from where the diamond is. He calls down from his horse and he says, Chaim! Chaim says, Ruben, Shalom Aleichem! Shalom Aleichem! Chaim, will you please do me a favor? To your right, look there, do you see that glistening object? Do you mind passing it to me? Thank you. To which Chaim says, do you mind giving it to me? To which Chaim says, what does Chaim say? Does he say anything? Does he say, no problem Ruben, I will do your bidding? Or does he simply, Yahweh Ruben says, walks over, which we're going to take this option because there's no dialogue mentioned in the Mishnah. He walks over to the diamond. Now what I want us to do now is let's go into Chaim's mind and read what he's thinking. He looks at the diamond. He could be thinking one of two things. He could be thinking, I'm going to pick this up for Ruvain. And he bends down and he picks it up for Ruvain. And he, and he picks it up for Ruvain, and his intention is that now Ruvain should acquire it with his hagbar. He opens up his hand and he looks at this magnificent ring. He thought it was just a trinket. And he sees the gold is real. The diamond is a rock worth a dollar, if not a million dollar. And he thinks to himself, am I an idiot? And he retracts from his original desire to give it to Ruvain and he says it's mine it's mine my precious 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 it happens it's mine Ruvain says uh, Chaim uh, you seem to be distracted won't you please pass me that little you know trinket that you picked up from the ground and Chaim says back to Ruvain Ruvain says you scoundrel Reisha you scoundrel 
scoundrel! You low-down cheat! How dare you take away my diamond ring? Your diamond ring! Your diamond ring indeed! You own this diamond ring? It was a lost object! And I got it first. Yes, but you got it for me. No, I got it for me. Oh no, you got it for me. Listen, yeah, Chaim. You come with me to Basin. We're going to call those to Laban. You just ate him. They saw it all happening. Come into Basin with me. They're coming to Basin. Three judges seated there. Questioning the Adim, questioning the litigants, and they think to themselves, Tell us, Ruvain, what was your intention when you asked Chaim to pick up the object for you? Did you want him to merit it on your behalf or not? Ruvain replies, No, I was simply asking him to deliver it to my domain. And Chaim, when you picked it up, what did you intend to do? So Chaim, looking at the pure faces of the three Dayonim, impressed by their snow-white beards, contrasted by their solemn black cloaks, says, Your Honours, I confess that when I picked up the object, it was my full intention to do so for Ruvain and Ruvain alone. But after I saw the beauty of the ring, its lust and shine, I retracted and I wanted to keep it for myself. But an honest man as I am, tell me you, Dayani Munchim, do I get to keep it or not? There's a unsettled whisperings in the courthouse. <laughs> and the Dayanim look at one another until they seem to reach an agreement. The head of Dayanim takes out his gavel and bangs on the table. In the courtroom, says he. There's a hushed silence as the Dian declares his legal ruling. We appreciate your honesty, Chaim, says the Dian. And because we rule that the one that has an intention to pick up the lost object for another, we follow not Rebbe Elizabeth the Chachamim. He's not Koine. You keep the diamond. Yes, says Chaim. Reuven goes, no! And a furor breaks out in the courthouse as Chaim gleefully leaves the building a rich man. So gesund. Illustration number one. Illustration number two, a very different illustration, comes on Chaim, and now let's read Chaim's mind as he walks towards this diamond ring. Yeah, quick question. He looks at it. Yes, a quick question, if you must. You mentioned that he thought it might be a trinket. Does it matter that he didn't realize the value, thought he was being coined in an object? Ah, that's an interesting point. Good point. Maybe we have to shift our illustration. I'm not so sure. Case presentation number two, also an illustration. Chaim heads towards, he's told by Reuven to go pick up the diamond ring. He heads towards it. He looks at the diamond ring, and before picking it up, he says to himself, there's no way in the world I'm giving this to Ruvain. This is mine, and only mine, and picks it up with every intention of him owning it himself. Goes to court, describes scenario, judges say, behold, this is yours.
two possible ways of illustrating the case. It's more of a chiddush the first way. It's more of a chiddush the first way. The second way is simpler. Why do you say the second way is simpler? Because there was, there's nothing to renege on. There's nothing. How can you have an acquis- well, acquisition that you... Well, well... Someone else's, how can you say that it's not his? Well... Let's look at the Lashon of the Mishnah, and we, when we see the Sefer, which is the second case we're going to illustrate, in Mishnah, so the, the Sefer in the Mishnah says, now what happened in the case, which is illustrated as we did until now, that beautiful black steed, its coat shining in the midday sunshine, the only thing brighter that can be seen than the... Than the Beautiful muscles glistening underneath the skin of this majestic stallion is the diamond ring itself. Um, and instead of this time, Chaim being seduced by the beauty of the ring, he gives it over to Ruvain and he says, Here you go. Ruvain looks at it, his face fills with joy. And Chaim thinks to himself, Well, this is interesting. What does he think to himself? What does he think to himself? He says, So now, how do we illustrate that? It must be. It must be as follows. Chaim picks up the ring, and he says, sees the ring, and he says, I am Zoyche in this. And he looks at it. And he thinks, do you know what? I'm going to show this to Ruven. Goes over to Ruvain and he says, Look what I found. Gives it to Ruvain and Ruvain says, My diamond. To which Chaim says, Your diamond? You conniving, deceitful crook, Ramai of excellence. It's mine and mine alone. To which I go to Bastin and the Bastin say, Tell us what happened, Chaim, on Cheshvan the 16th at 12 o'clock noontime on the street and Chaim says I saw this diamond ring after Ruvain made me aware of it and I went in and I picked it up for myself and then after that I decided to go and show it to Ruvain and uh, instead of him returning it to me he kept it for himself he's a thief and Ruvain what do you say in your explanation of the story says the judge say the judges what, says Ruvain, lies and slander. For it was I that said to Chaim, go pick up this object for me, which he did. Gave it to me as per my request. And afterwards, I suspect he regretted it and claims that he merited it first. But his words are spurious, false and shaking. The judges forced to decide in this difficult moral dilemma, rule and say, I'm afraid, Chaim, that were it true that you would have owned this object, you would have declared so, you would have hung on to it, you wouldn't have given it to Ruvain. And were words we're going to have to assume are invalid. The statement of the explanation of your action is ineffective in allowing you to gain ownership over this object. But what's interesting is, what's, what's interesting is, Ruvain gets to keep it. What's interesting is, in Chaim's quote, he says, Ani zochisi ba If you look at the Reisha, Chaim says, Ani zochisi ba 
he doesn't say techilo. So what's this extra word techilo going? Obviously in the Raisha, sorry, I beg your pardon, in the Sefer, the word techila is superfluous because when Chaim says Anizochisibar, he doesn't mean after it's gone into the hands of Ruvain. Of course he means before. So why in the world did he say the word Tehillah? It must be that in the Sefer he's saying Tehillah because in the Reisha his initial attention wasn't to take it for himself. It was to give it to Ruvain. And that's why we see, supported from the language of the Mishnah, that the first way we illustrated the case was the correct and noble way. And not like you, Michael Saposnik, suggested. So what you're seeing is, just as the narrator enters into the share and says, you see a fascinating point. That once you've seen the sugya, you can play it back into the Mishnah, and it comes alive. For those of you who are alive. (laughs) A small percentage. Um, I I thought... The safer would be when they're actually in court is when he actually presents his point. He says, but I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, what did you the say? Sefer yes. They're actually in court. And he says, Hi, what, what did you do? Or they're in court. Now, what lends you to believe that? Because he says, Amar Anisa Hisi Batahila. I said I married it first. So, yes. That, that's, that's a response to the judge's question. That's how well, I It's a response to the judge's question. Um. Where do you see? I mean, let's, have it in his hand. let's look at the ra- language of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, "In Mishnah I think the Mishnah doesn't doesn't mention anything. In Mishnah once he has given it to him, it doesn't really specify once he's given it to him and they went to the court. I mean, it seems pretty global. You it could be as right. He may have sit in the courthouse, but not definitely only in the courthouse. Correct. Can you, can you explain again what, what Tehillah is coming on the street? Or we have two times where Chaim speaks in our Mishnah. In the Reish and in the Sefer. Yeah. Both times he says he has Zoycha in it. In the Reish he says, Ani Zochisiba. And in the Sefer he says, Ani Zochisiba Tehillah. So the question is, why does he add in the word Tehillah in the Sefer? Now clearly it's not to indicate that he got there first because if you look at the situation it's implied that he had it first because right now it's in the hand of the other. So of course he says when he says tchile he means first. Of course it's what he means first. So it could be that the reason why the Mishnah is say, stating tchila is to contrast the claim made in the Sefer to the claim made in the Reisha. In the claim made in the Sefer that's when he says our zeche in it first. Whereas in the claim made in the Reisha he never claims to be Zoycha in at first because initially he admits that he's Zoycha on behalf of the other. Oh, so the, the Sefer enumerates that he actually meant to acquire it for... To expose us and enlighten us as to what the case of the ratio was. Okay. And therefore that gives way to understanding that the first scenario we set it up was the correct scenario and not the second. Okay. Of course, after seeing the Gemara, we know that both are viabilities. But don't you understand the joy or don't you get pleasure from the fact that we can play around even though certain things have been said we can be flexible and rethink and isn't it wonderful the study of Talmud exciting us can't you just see the enthusiasm and the people in the shir as they gently dove off, dove off into the oblivion of total boredom mm. it's wonderful you can imagine how inspiring this must be for me if not only for you um, why are you making assumptions maybe they're deep in thought they maybe are deep in thought very deep in thought a meditative thought now Continues the uh, our process. We've done language, and now we've done illustration. 
inference. inference. Let's do inference. You know, now, this becomes very tricky because when doing inference, inference in Hebrew says a diuk, we have to be extremely cautious about falling into the trap of the dreadful danger of the dofdam diuk. You can make diuk him about pretty much anything. I can say it's, it's, it's Tuesday, I can say it's Sunday today. So you say, well, obviously it wasn't Sunday yesterday. That's a good diuk. I can say it's hot outside. So you can say, well, okay, well, there, maybe it's not hot. It's not it's not hot inside, or it may be hot outside and hot inside. If I say Michael Sapoznik is in the share, does that mean Akiva is not in the share? You have to be careful to understand that Diukim or Diukim. So now, for example, what part of what components in this case are Ma'akev? Do you need to have them? And which components can you take out? For example, say, That's a ridiculous deal, correct? <laughs> no, those are ridiculous diukim. Your diukim has to be... Agola means a wagon. Your diukim has to be accompanied by a logical premise. Okay, so what can we be medaic from this Misha? He was rechav agave behem of roes ametzia of amla chaver tsneoli notlo v'amani zichisi ba zochaba. Hang on, can I can I throw something out there that may be a little bit like probably wrong? I have no issues with you saying something probably wrong. I have issues with you saying something which is not appropriate to what we're talking about now. Is this a question on the nature of creation or is this more directly related to No, no, it was a diuk on behemoth. Oh, that sounds pretty relevant. Go on. Um, could it be a diuk of behemoth where it's behemoth is, uh, um, as opposed to chaya? That he could have gotten off, he had control with behemoth, he had the ability to. Well, as opposed to if he's riding upon a lion. This will be no, different. No, like on a, uh, <laughs> a deer, an antelope, a kudu, a giraffe. Okay, fair enough. So I think, I think, yeah, I think, okay. uh, uh, Avi takes on for the team and falls into the trap of the dreadful danger of the Dofdam Diuk. <laughs> ah, from this mission you can see that people mounted upon giraffes, possibly even elephants. This din does not apply to them. It's Dafka Bahama. It has to be a domesticated animal that's kosher to Simone Kashrus. Person riding upon a Land-born eel. This would not be the case. Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. I said it was a little left field. Uh, left field would be an exaggeration or a compliment. So Ayorech l'gabe behema v'ra'as ametzia v'amal chaveroit nehali. It does give light onto. Um, you know, you ask a question. Why not just write v'ra'a es ametzia v'ra'as nehali. Yeah, and it, we have to. I think an inference would be that he had to be unable to pick it up by himself. So it would be again. So, so, well, well, let's see. Two people walking alongside one another, and Reuven says to Chaim, "Chaim, go pick up the mitzvah for me." And Chaim goes and he picks up the mitzvah and he says, "Anizo chisibah." Allah would be different. Yeah, like Peah. I think it'd be Pshita. You have to be able to be Zaychet. It would be Pshita, why? Because what, 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 uh, the guy, the guy picks it up, you know? Like, uh, so why isn't it Pshita in the case when he's upon an animal? Because it shows that he had some advantage over the guy. And so why is the difference which makes a difference? Why is the difference which makes a difference? Because, um, 
why is it the difference which makes a difference? Because he, you would think, you would think that oh, since the guy, since the guy, since Ruben the writer was writing on it, since he shows some form of uh, advantage, so therefore he's the one who saw it first. It allowed allowed him to see it first, and you would think that he gets it. One second. So you're constructing a logical point over here. You're saying the reason why he's upon the animal as opposed to Why? Because since he, he's the one that spotted it and he has an inability or a restriction in picking it up himself so therefore when he asks the other to pick it up for him there's a reason why he's doing so which what? It implies a relationship perhaps of shlichus there's an implied relationship. In other words, when I'm walking alongside someone else and I ask him to do something on my behalf and I'm perfectly able to do it myself. So you can understand that there's less motivation and implication that he's acting on my behalf. Because if I wanted to do it, I should do it myself. Mm. However, when there's a restriction on me doing it myself and I ask you to do so, so there's more of a tacit understanding that you are acting in my stead. When you're accompanying me and we're both walking along the ground and say, do it for me, so then it's blatantly obvious that you have the right to act on your own volition, as I do. But when I'm restricted because I'm upon this mighty black stallion, so therefore the implication is that I'm employing you to do an act and you have to follow the conditions of my... Something... Something like that. I feel. I feel something. I'm not sure if it's... I'll make it even better. Oh, you're going to make it better. Let's say the guy was... The guy who's on the animal is handicapped. <gasps> okay, one second. Do you want a pen? You want to write it in? No, no, no. no you want to write it in? Hi, you You want to add it into the mission? And I want to add in. What's that? Why is that adding in? Why because the sense. Why Oh, so now you've fallen into another, 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 another word. For many people, it's an obvious trap. Obviously, for you, not. Um, when a mission says a general statement, the statement is general. If I say to you it's cold outside, I mean everywhere it's outside, it's cold. If I say to you it's cold outside in the winter, I limit it to a season. If it's cold outside in the winter when you're not wearing a jacket, I limit it further. When it says, it means, since it doesn't specify, it just says, it means any single person in the entire world that was mounted upon the animal and riding it, and any animal in fact, this then applies to. Because were it to be referring to a specific person and a specific animal, it should have said it specifically. Okay. And therefore, for you... Illustration, for illustration no, 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 no. You're doing more than illustrating. It would, it would you're limiting. You're making the kimta. I don't mean to. I'm well, if you don't mean to, so then it means as much it could be referring to the person who's fully able to walk as well as a cripple. And since the person is fully able to work, so the extension of cripple doesn't go through the Mishnah. And therefore, what you're doing is you were trying to make an akimta. Don't deny it. Okay. And you're very wrong. But that's good. That's all the process of learning. It's an important process. I'm in that process as well. I fail, 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 fail. And hopefully, some point in so time, I just, I just you get it right. I want to clarify my duke as... If the if a guy you would, it, it's it's important to know that the guy's riding an animal because since he it gives him the ability to get it first and it gives him the inability I mean it gives him the ability to see it first and it gives him the inability to grab it first right it would thus give you the you would come to think that he should have he's yeah right there's more of a chiddush and therefore it's significant yeah. More significant. I like the deal. Now, what's an obvious deal in the Mishnah is in Mishnah Loi Omar. If once he's given to him, he says, I need so then Loi Omar Klum. You can be Medayak. But if he says it before he's given to him, 
Soy Zoyche. Yes? That's an obvious duke, correct? Now the question is like this. Why isn't that a duke from the Reisha? The Reisha says, you said give it to him. Now obviously implies that it's because he's, or you could say it the other way around. If once he's given to him, he says, so then he's not Zoyche, implying that if he hasn't given it to him, he is Zoyche. So why do we need the case in the Reisha? Um, that's an example of a duke. Okay. okay, now, finally, we need to speak about source, which is, is a derisa derabonin, and if it's a derisa, where is it? So, we'll have to wait and see. If, it depends how we learn the suga. If it's magbiya mitzile chaveya, so we'll have to see. Is it a derisa, is it a derabonin, is it a konis chachomim? What is it? Stay tuned for another exciting episode of Bav Metzia Daftes, Amut Beis.